Good morning, my name is Johnny Nelson and I am the executive director here at JSAW. Uh, we are an action sports ministry that started 17 years ago and uh, we make riders into disciples of Jesus. I want to take a second and introduce my family to you. I think we have a picture here. Uh, this is my beautiful wife Brittany. We've been married for 11 years and we have three crazy little kids. Uh, Oakley who is five and Holden who is four and Daisy, our little girl who is two years old. And yes, they all skateboard, of course. Um, we all skateboard in our house. Um, I, I also want to give a shout out to the uh, Wooddale Missions Department. Um, you guys have some of the most incredible people on your missions support team here. Um, we're so blessed to be a global partner here at JSAW. So I want to take a second and just have you look at this video, see a little bit about what we do. JSAW is an action sports ministry. Our mission is to make riders into disciples, and our vision is to transform action sports culture. In the Twin Cities, there are over 45 skate parks in pretty much every community around the city. There's snowboard parks, there's lakes where kids are wake surfing, there's thousands and thousands of riders who are out there that don't have a relationship with Christ. They don't have coaches, they don't have mentors, there's no one supporting them. That's where JSAW comes in. We provide program leaders who can come into their life, walk alongside them, support them, and point them in the right direction when they get into a tough spot. We connect with riders, we build relationships with them, and then we get the opportunity to share the gospel with them, and then we invite them to join into our programs. We do small groups, mentoring, and all kinds of different events to engage riders every single day of the week here at Help Board Shop. We are the only organization that does what we do in the Twin Cities. Skateboarding is just fun. It's creative, it's challenging, there's no rules you have to follow, there's a great community aspect to it and we get to share the hope and love of Jesus Christ with them. Awesome, so because of your support, uh, JSAW, our ministry has been growing and Basically, we, we opened up this new facility earlier this year, and now we have had over 900 unique individual riders who have come through our facility uh, this year, and we also have a network of 72 action sports ministries uh, around the world in 32 different countries that we are working to support. So all of that happens because of your support at Wooddale, and I just want to say thank you for all of that. Um, as you know, we've been in, in a series called Food Trucks in Babylon, and we've been looking at how to live as Christians in a post-Christian culture. So today, I want to focus on what it means to live missionally as Christians in a world that is no longer Christian. It's a scary thing, right, when our values and our belief system is not the norm, uh, because 
I'm in action sports. I'm well acquainted with fears. Uh, being in skateboarding and snowboarding and surfing, climbing mountains, jumping out of airplanes, I get to face my fears a lot. Um, I also run a small business and as an entrepreneur, making the right decisions, uh, who to hire, when to invest, when to save, all of those things, um, I, I get to address my fears in that way as well. As a parent as well, uh, so why can't my kid ride uh, his bike without, without training wheels yet? You know, like all those, all those questions, am I, am I doing it right? Am I being a good dad? Um, even in, in just living in the world today, um, like, is my worldview just a bunch of Sunday school answers? Am I woke enough? Like, all of these things. We have all of these different fears that we are facing every single day. And fear is something that we are going to face living in a post-Christian world. Um, Christianity and our values are seen by culture as no longer acceptable and no longer politically correct, right? The Bible is irrelevant and archaic, it's outdated, all of these things. And I'm sure that that is how the Israelites felt as they arrived in Babylon as exiles. So back in the days of King David and Solomon, uh, the Israelites, man, they really had it going on. Um, then they fell, into, uh, they fell into sin as a people group and as a nation. And their enemies came, they attacked their cities, and basically they turned to Assyria and Babylon and Egypt looking for help. And basically whoever was winning the wars um, was their friend. And of, of course, eventually, King Nebuchadnezzar came and ba Babylon destroyed Jerusalem. Uh, think of all that history, all of the art, all the culture, the safety of the people that were living there in Israel. Um, it was all destroyed. The Babylonians cut up anything that was valuable. They shipped it back to Babylon, and they literally burned the city to the ground. Um, every home, the beautiful temple that, that Solomon had built for the Lord, it was all burnt to the ground. And then they tore down all the walls all the way around the city, and they chained up the Israelites and exiled them back to Babylon, taking them 540 miles away from their home to a foreign land with foreign food, foreign language, foreign customs, and foreign gods. I imagine that, that they were afraid, and I imagine that every day they faced this, this fear and this anxiety. They were always on edge, unsure of, of everything. Like, you don't want to say the wrong thing to the wrong person because you might get killed, literally. So think about it, right? Your friend group has changed, your job is different, your home is different, the food is different, your neighborhood is different, everything is, is different. Even your, your, the culture that you're living in, the values that you have, the beliefs, the rules of life, they no longer match how you grew up, your heritage, your traditions. So you can't say anything though because you're the slave, you're the outsider, you're the Christian that's living in a world that is no longer Christian. That is who Isaiah 43 is written to. So if you have your Bibles, please open them with me to Isaiah chapter 43, uh, verses 1 through 13, or you can follow along on the screen as well. You know, at JSA, usually um, when we're reading through a Bible passage, we have to uh, tell the kids what page number 
to look at because they don't know the, how to find the passage based on, you know, chapter, book, and verse anymore. Um, but you guys are, you're well versed in this, so um, we're going to read in Isaiah chapter 43, uh, verses 1 through 13. This is, Isaiah is a prophet and he's, he's writing to the people of Israel. They're scared, they're afraid, they're living in fear. And this is the word of the Lord that Isaiah is sharing with them. He says, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed, saved, and proclaimed, I, and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? So, do you hear how God is encouraging his people? Do you hear how he is encouraging them? God says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. I've called you by name. You are mine. You are known, and I'm here for you. You're precious, and you're honored. God is encouraging them, and he's saying, even when the whole world is on fire around you and the rivers of life are, are raging around you, you will not drown and you will not get burned. I will redeem you. I will give nations for you and I will protect you because I love you. God says, you who were scattered abroad, you whose family has been split up, he says, gather them together and bring, bring them back together. Imagine again the people of Israel, right? Their families have been torn apart. They've been stripped of their identity. 
Uh, they're being pressured to assimilate into this new culture that truthfully goes against their beliefs and their values and their traditions. God says, you who are afraid, you are precious, you are honored, and I love you. Man, God is good, right? He's so encouraging. God is so kind. God is loving. And he wants his people to know that, to hear that, and to feel that, and to really experience that goodness and that love. When I was a teenager, uh, God's love was revealed to me. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home. We were religious, but not really free. Um, My father left before I was born, and then my mom got sobered up, and we lived in poverty. We grew up kind of living on welfare, and I just wanted to escape from everything. Uh, Skateboarding was that escape for me. I got out on my board, and I, I went out, and I just, I loved getting out and skateboarding. That was my way to get out of the house. And when I couldn't skate, I just got depressed. I got really depressed, really angry, and I wanted to kill myself. I tried a couple of times to take my own life because I just couldn't handle it. I felt like I was completely worthless. One day we went to church, and I decided that I was going to rob the candy machine because I wanted some candy. And they had this candy machine there, and the youth group was using it to raise money for a missions trip. And so I went in there and stole their candy. And of course, I got caught. And so I had to go in front of the youth group and apologize. Now, I didn't go to the youth group, and all of those kids that went were older than me. They were definitely on the in crowd for sure. And I had to go up in front of all of them and admit that I had stolen from them and apologize. I was completely humiliated and completely afraid to do this. And they told me, you know, about God's great love for me, which I already knew, but hadn't yet experienced. And, and then they demonstrated God's love for me. They accepted me into their group. They loved me. Me, like the outcast skater kid who was not a part of their group. They, they accepted me in. They pointed me to Jesus. And suddenly I had friends. Suddenly I had people who cared about me, who loved me. And that's when I experienced God's love through this group of people. And I started to pursue Jesus. Now, maybe you haven't experienced God's love for you. And maybe you're thinking, you know, God hasn't changed my life. I don't, I don't feel like I'm precious and honored in his sight. And if that's you, if you haven't experienced God's love, I want to talk specifically to you right now. Just for a moment. You see, our sin, our sin separates us from God. It's in our nature, it's in our behavior, it's in our thoughts. We're broken, right? And so we do wrong things. And that separates us from God. And Bible, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so that's the destination of every living thing. We all die. That's our debt to be paid, is death. But the Bible goes on and says that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said, I will take your debt. I will die in your place. And then he rose from the dead and he conquered death so that you can be free and live eternally with him and be completely forgiven of your sins. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so, if you've never 
experience God's love and forgiveness in your life today, man, today's the day. We're going to pray right now. If I can have everyone, you know, close your eyes, bow your heads, um, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to accept Christ into your life right now. If you've never experienced God's love and you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to pray with me. And maybe, maybe you have, but you've wandered from God and you want to rededicate your life to him. I want you to pray with me right now. God, I'm a sinner and I've made so many mistakes and I've been separated from you. God, please forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you came and died to pay the penalty for my sin and that you rose from the dead to give me new life. Jesus, I confess that you are my Savior, the Lord of my life, and I want to give my life to serve you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live free from sin. And God, help me to obey your commands and to live for you. Amen. Now listen, if you just prayed with me, you're a new creation, and your faith in Jesus has saved you. I want to welcome you into the church, into the family of God. It's an incredible, incredible thing. However, I also want to challenge you with something. God, God's word says that faith without action is dead. And so I want you to do something about your faith. I want to put, put your faith into action. I want you to, today, tell somebody about the decision that you made to follow Jesus. There are people here at Wooddale who will help you to take the next steps in your faith so that you can grow. And you will experience how God is so good and how God loves you in your life. For those of us who are Christians, we know God is good. We know that God loves us. And Isaiah 43 says that you are precious and you are honored. You are chosen and we don't have to be afraid because God is with us. Yet we are living in a post-Christian world, a world that doesn't know who God is. So can you imagine walking up to a food truck and trying to share Jesus with somebody and they don't understand your language, they don't understand your Christian words and all that kind of stuff? You don't really have to imagine that. I mean, you can experience that right now today. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were doing Bible study here at the skate park and uh, one of our volunteer leaders was talking about how we can have salvation because God has forgiven us and forgiven our sins, you know, through Jesus. And this 11-year-old skater kid just like looks up and he goes, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what any of those things mean. And, and we're all like, okay, well, let's, let's explain these things. And later, uh, we, we're taking prayer requests towards the end of Bible study. And he goes, what is a prayer request? What does that mean? And that's the world we're living in, right? That's a post-Christian world. So in Babylon, sometimes it's difficult to know who God is. So in Isaiah 43, did you notice how, how much effort God put into identifying himself to his people? See, Israel had quit trusting in God. They turned to alliances with these different nations, Egypt, and Assyria, and then Babylon, trying to survive as a nation. 
And each of these alliances came with multiple gods that were introduced to the Israelites, and they started worshiping them. And then the temple of God, you know, which was built by Solomon, uh, was destroyed. And I'm sure the Babylonians that destroyed it, you know, they praised their god, Marduk, for winning the battle with them. So I imagine this world, right, it's filled with war, it's got all these various nations and voices that are all clamoring for attention. And they're confused about who God is. And in our world today, man, we're, we're confused too. So throughout the passage, God goes to great lengths to identify himself. Look in verse 1. He says, I created you, Jacob. I formed you, Israel. Like, I intimately know you. Verse 3 says, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Verse 10, he says, Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. Like, there's, there's no other options. I have revealed, saved, and proclaimed, I, and not some foreign God among you. I am God. And yes, from ancient of days, in case you forgot, I am He. So over and over, God is making sure that we know who He is, that He is sovereign, that He's God above all. He has no competitor. He's He's the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. He's the creator of all. He is absolute. He is sovereign. No one can deliver out of his hand. When he acts, man, nobody can reverse it because he's God. And he wants the Israelites. He wants the Babylonians. He wants you and I. He wants the whole world to know who he is, that he is God. As Christians, that is what we want as well. We want people everywhere to know who God is, to experience the goodness of God, to worship God, to glorify God. That's the reason that we're here, right? For missions. We have been sent on a mission. They don't know God, and we want people to know who God is. So in Isaiah 43, verses 8 and 9, God assembles the nations in court to make his case, to identify himself as God over all. I want you to look at what he says here in verses 8 and 9. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they are right. So to all the nations, God says, bring out your idols. Bring out your kings. Let them testify. Let them prove themselves. Now, who does God call to the stand to be a witness? The priest? The pastor? The prophet? The king? No. He says in verse 10, you are my witnesses. You are my servant whom I have chosen. You have heard God's voice. You have been called You have been chosen to be God's witness. That's our commission, to to bring to the nations who God is. So what does it mean to be a witness? We give our testimony, right? We can attest to the facts. We testify. We share what we saw, what we heard, and what we experienced, and and how it went down. A couple of years ago, my brothers and I, we we climbed this uh, mountain called Gannett Peak out in Wyoming, and we were up over 13,000 feet uh, on our way back down from the summit when a storm rolled in, and it was hailing, 
and it was lightning, and it was thundering, and it was crazy. And right behind us, uh, lightning struck the ground, and it shook the whole mountain. It threw us on the ground, and we were scared. And I'd, I'd show you the video, but my brother kind of has a foul mouth, so uh, I didn't think it would be appropriate. <laughs> but we were scared, and things got real really quick. And when we came down from the mountain, we told that story to everybody about how we got struck by lightning and all this crazy stuff because we were witnesses to that event, to that experience. Back in Isaiah 43, back into that courtroom with all the nations assembled, aiming to know and to believe and to understand who God is. In verse 11, he declares, I am the Lord and apart from me there is no savior. That's his claim. And then he calls you up to the witness stand as his witness. And he says, what do you say? How do you know that God is God? Is it true? Have you witnessed it? Can you testify about how Jesus has saved you? How has God been good to you in your life? Earlier this year in March, uh, we had a skater. Uh, he's 27 years old, and he came into our indoor skate park and shop here, and uh, basically he was struggling hard. I mean, he was drinking himself to sleep every night. Uh, he's a felon, uh, just one year out of prison, um, just broken, 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 and looking for help. And we told him about Jesus. We were witnesses to him. Uh, we told him about who God is and that God loved him. And then he gave his life right here in the skate park. He gave his life to Christ. And then he completed a 30-day treatment program to get, to get sober and clean, and every week, he started attending Bible study at the skate park here. He was able to be reunited with his fiance, with his newborn daughter, and then he started an AA group here at the skate park for other addicts who were trying to get clean. And believe it or not, right now, today, he's in Sunday school here at the main campus teaching kids about how to put their faith into action. So his life was completely transformed, right? He is a witness to the goodness of God, that God is Savior, and that God is God. So how do we live in a post-Christian world? We be a witness. God has said, you are precious to me, and I love you. I have revealed myself to you. I have proclaimed freedom to you. I have saved you. I have chosen you. Now be my witness. Do not fear. Do not be afraid, for I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. You are my witnesses. That's how we live, as a witness that God is God, as a witness that God is good, and as a witness that God is Savior. You are his witnesses. So today, for Mission Sunday, this is my challenge for you. Right? This week, as we live in our world, Go and be a witness. Today, go and be a witness. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for identifying yourself and so clearly revealing yourself to us. God, give us boldness and courage to be a witness to others about your love. In Jesus' name, amen.